Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of DTV, the Digital Transformation Channel. My name is Layla Medeiros, and I am pleased today to bring you Sridhar Narayan, who is the Head of Quality Engineering at Scholastic. Welcome to DTV, Sridhar. Hi. Let's talk a little bit about uh, your role at some of the organizations that you've been at. You've been at companies um, in a QA capacity from Avaya to Weight Watchers and now Scholastic. So can you tell us a little bit about your role at some of these organizations? So at Scholastic, I had quality engineering. Uh, we have a fantastic team of quality engineers. We are focusing on, uh, again, all of us are focusing on delivering maximum product value. We want to make sure that the products we put out are high quality, they don't break, customers are pleased with them, they're extremely happy, they buy more of our books. Uh, so we focused on that. Uh, at Weight Watchers a few years ago, I was playing a similar role. I had managed a team of engineers, uh, leading them through digital transformation. Uh, again, focused on delivering mobile applications, uh, web applications, and applications in a similar kind of space. We're in the midst of a transformation era, and uh, the term, as you can imagine, digital transformation um, has been used in a variety of different spaces. There's many different interpretations of it. And what we're trying to do here on DTV is capture um, some of those different uh, interpretations from industry experts such as yourself. So that being said, what is your own definition of digital transformation? I think digital transformation in today's world, it means there's an expectation, there's an expectation from customers, from internal customers, external customers, that an organization is able to consistently deliver, uh, number one, features that are useful to the customers. Number two, these features are delivered frequently. People don't wait months or years to get them. They, they want them every week or every other week. Uh, the features look extremely easy, but internally they're super complex, especially for organizations who have been around for a long time. And they expect these applications and these features to be of extremely high quality. Nobody wants to deal with a broken product or something that doesn't quite work. Right, that's exactly what it is. We're talking about companies like Weight Watchers that have been around for quite some time and have been evolving. And uh, speaking of Weight Watchers, um, this is where you've spent ten over 10 years. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how they've transformed and become the company that, they're, that they are today. They're still thriving. Um, Oprah is at the helm of that organization, one of their key spokespeople, very visible. So during your time there, what are some of the things that you may have done or incorporated on the back end or on the digital front to help them um, get to where they are today? So Weight Watchers went through a very interesting path in the transformation, right? What, what looks like it's successful today was really a sequence of many transformations, not all of which were successful, right? And there were many that that were attempted, failed, and they had to redo it again. Uh, but I think ultimately where they are today, you know, they've succeeded, uh, but it, it was a long journey. Right? The uh, tech transformation by itself is challenging, right? When there's coupled with business transformation, that makes it even more interesting, more challenging. Uh, in a period of few years while I was there, um, the transformation affected, there were changes in processes, there were changes in technologies, and changes in people. Uh, I estimate, you know, probably a good chunk of the people that I used to work with were no longer there by the time the transformation was complete. Uh, similarly, all the technologies that we put together, probably, again, a small fraction of the technologies remained uh, when the transformation was complete. 
And let's talk a little bit about the role of software testing in that whole definition. So why is it so important and what has your experience been uh, when it comes to software testing? What are the challenges you may have seen in the various companies that you've been, where you've been leading that charge? Today, there, there's a big mandate to change fast, uh, with a huge pressure to maintain quality again. There's instant feedback. There are customers on social media channels, on App Store, uh, you know, making instant, uh, you know, uh, judgments on your product. Is it good? Is it bad? Uh, those kind of judgments can easily make or break your company or your product, right? At the same time, you have teams who have tight testing budgets and again, not enough time to actually operate all the testing, uh, execute all the testing you'd like to do, right? So to summarize, you know, there's, there's a big pressure to say, you know, we want to deliver cool features. If a startup X next to us, they can do this. Why can't we do that? Except that in your environment, given your data, given your history, given your baggage, it's extremely complex to, to accomplish what a startup could do because they have no baggage. The pressure to maintain high quality is again, is still there. Nobody accepts uh, poor quality. The, the teams are small, uh, the budgets are tight. The cycles are fast. Uh, people expect you to do get this done, get a new feature done in two weeks, deliver that, get the next set of features done in two weeks. So this, this the, the time pressure is extremely high. Plus, uh, consumers are, are, are basically at taking your application in many different channels. You have Android uh, uh, mobile applications, you have iOS mobile applications, people want to do it on, 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 a, on a desktop, on a laptop, on many different kinds of browsers. There are voice interfaces, people want to do it on, a, on, on your Apple TV, right? There's so many more channels that that kind of explodes the amount of testing footprint that you have to deal with. Um, but but on, the, on the flip side, uh, an effect, if you have an effective testing strategy, it can make people's lives so much more easier. Right? It can make a development team's life so simple because now you have a safety net. They know that if they make a change, an automated test that can run pretty quickly can catch the feature before it breaks other things, can make sure the feature itself is implemented. Right? So an automated regression suite can ensure that your quality can re remain high and you can continue to delight your customers and deliver new features uh, at the at the pace that the that the uh, business and the customers want you to do that. And I'm I'm going to digress for a moment back uh, on the testing side. Are you seeing automation and AI becoming a main part of the testing and QA process? So I think uh, AI is is a little pervasive. Nobody comes to you and says, "Here's an AI product," right? But it's it sort of, for example, right. there's, there's an application like ThoughtSpot, which basically allows you to. Uh, type natural language queries to query your database. Uh, now the challenge there becomes, how do you know the results produced by, by ThoughtSpot are correct? Uh, how do you validate that against a real human or a SQL query that, that I used to have a report that delivered this data to me. Now I'm typing, uh, typing in a, a query to, to some browser. Uh, I get data, they aren't quite the same. How, do, how, how am I sure that I do have the right data that I'm supposed to report to the street tomorrow, right? Those kind of problems I think we still need to solve so we see AI, but they, 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 the kind of uh, uh, channels that come through to us are pretty uh, pervasive. And uh, you know, uh, we, we had to absorb and understand the problem in the context of, uh, it could be AI, it could be non-AI. We still need to understand what is the problem you're trying to solve and what kind of test can help uh, prove that it is working correctly. Yeah, and so there's a little ways to go to make that bulletproof, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. And so what are some of the best practices that you have experience with uh, testing that you can impart um, with some of the testers and developers watching this program? Any words of wisdom? Some of the things that we've done, we've again, we've learned by experience for sure, right? One of the big, big aspects is we need to engage the quality teams early. I've seen uh, project plans where 
uh, the dev starts and then you know uh, three months later the dev the QA comes in and that that quite doesn't work well in today's world. Um, the moment you start conceiving a product, the moment you have somebody talking about this is how something should work, uh, you should have QA in the room to start talking about how it could go wrong or you know start uh, uh, basically detailing out all of the potential scenarios that things could go right or things could go wrong, which informs the product owner, which informs the developers, which informs the engineering team that this is how we should build or maybe we shouldn't go down this path or maybe right. So all of that that thinking uh, a QA team member can provide and that should happen early in the game. Uh, so we, we strive in, in our organization, we, we strive to develop a common understanding of the, of the problem and a common understanding of the solution. And this is worked well when, uh, when we use BDD, uh, behavior driven development. Uh, other teams call it acceptance test driven development. Uh, in, a, in a sense, it is uh, taking a, a, a problem or a concept uh, from, a, from a product owner breaking that out into scenarios and interactions, how different sets of customers will interact with a particular feature, and then creating acceptance tests based off of that. And we create automated tests that essentially validates that what the product owner had in mind is actually implemented as an automated test. So that, that is a huge part of, of how uh, we ensure that the quality people get all of the automated tests right, and that helps the product quality. Uh, so this supplemented with engineering practices. I think you know uh, an acceptance test by itself uh, is useful, but it needs to be uh, needs to be supplemented with unit testing. We need to have uh, a, a, a lots of testing at the unit testing level, where you know we don't need a specific QA acceptance test uh, to validate simple things like you know can I can I enter a negative number in a particular field, or can I when I multiply uh, uh, you know a couple of numbers am I is it limited by a particular range? All of those. Those simple tests can be covered by unit testing. It does not require an acceptance testing. Um, and uh, the other standard practices, we need to make sure we have good code coverage. We need to make sure that we're using a continuous integration platform. We need to make sure that uh, if the team demands it, there may be continuous delivery platform if we can afford it, right? Um, how do we prevent defects from happening by thinking through all of the personal things that can go wrong? Uh, do you do root cause analysis, right? When, you, when something does go wrong, how do you take, take a look at what went wrong and fix it? So that mistake doesn't happen again. So all of this, these, these, these practices are huge. Um, there are a couple of other foundational practices which are, which are very important, especially if you're developing a new product. Um, are you performance testing? Again, you know, because a lot of people don't think about it, but you know, if your product is suddenly successful and you have a thousand people use it and if it breaks down or your servers go, go down, then that's not quite a good user experience, right? Uh, in today's world of data breaches, are we doing security testing? Are you doing penetration testing? Um, are your products built to monitor themselves to send alerts when things go wrong? And when things do go wrong, uh, are you set up to fix a problem and you know so that customers don't have much of a blip in their uh, expectation of the product? And is testing now part of the development process or are you considering it as two different phases? Um, more specifically, what we're seeing is companies merging the two, known as sort of the shift left approach, which I'm sure you've heard of. The way it, the way it really works for us is to have the, the testers in on day one, uh, understand the, the application, understand the feature, and essentially start writing your uh, test scenarios on day one. Even before code is written, we have test scenarios that are written. And test scenarios allow uh, developers, the product owners, all to understand you know, what, what is the expected behavior in, at a detailed level. In a sense, we begin testing a story even before a line of code is written because we are, we are thinking through all of the tests. And that, that's a big, huge aspect of 
when we start testing because we can test a story and that is extremely inexpensive compared to building a product and then running a test. So switching for a moment to the publishing space, um, and that's where you are right now, another industry uh, that's been around for quite some time and that has evolved significantly uh, through the digital era. Um, in fact, you know, publishing, as I recall, carrying all those heavy textbooks around, um, you know, in elementary school and in high school, and that's probably why most of us in this day and age have back problems. Uh, but now today, you have iPads, you have, you know, cell phones, and um, it's gone through a huge transformation, um, both, you know, from, from that perspective and as, as far as UI. So can you tell us a little bit about how this industry has transformed over the years um, to become the digital entity that it is today and some of the observations and experiences that you've had in the publishing space? At Scholastic, we think about it in a couple of different ways. Um, there, there are very young uh, children who are... Uh, not very well served by purely electronic means of delivery. I think they love paper, their parents love paper, they love pictures, they love touching it, they love the sensory feel of the books. I think that's a big part of audience and we still strive to serve that audience by delivering the product that they want. Uh, in digital technology, in a way, it supplements that you know, very well. You know, we, we, we give them uh, products that, for example, allow, allows us to sell the books that they want, allows them to deliver books faster, allows us to create new series of books, allows us to take the same books and deliver that via, you know, for example, Alexa or a voice channel or deliver that to an app. Uh, we, we create a software products that, that match books along with, uh, with the digital delivery. So kids can see, hey, how, how does a physical book look in the real world? And how, how is it transformed to a story or an extension of the same story in the digital space? So all of these are, are, are for us, experiments where we can uh, help kids read and help them transform from a real-world experience into the digital experience, I think that gives uh, puts them on a solid footing. Thank you so much for your time. Very illuminating, and uh, we look forward to working more with you. If you're passionate about digital transformation and have something to say, we'd love to have you on our show. Please email us at dtv@infostretch.com, and we'll see you next time.